What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Grabs Podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what we do here. But in case you stumbled in, or this is the first one you're hearing, our goal here is real simple. It's to highlight our wins and learn as much as we can from actual fireground rescues in the hopes of making us all a little smarter, more effective, and more efficient. Our guest today is Dustin Todd, a firefighter from the Everett Washington Fire Department. And we're fortunate enough to hear his powerful story so we can all learn from his experience. Thank you for coming on today, Dustin. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your journey, your experiences, and then uh, your department? Yeah, so uh, I work for Everett Fire Department, Local 46. I've uh, been here about five years now. We're 47. Uh, we beat you. Yeah. Uh, so been there about five years. Um, kind of bounced around a little bit from aid car to engine. Uh, landed on our busiest engine last year and then recently got assigned to Ladder 1, which is our dedicated truck. Um, Everett Fire Department runs, ran about 28,000 calls last year. We have six engines, two ladder trucks. One of those is cross-staffed with an engine. We have three ALS medic units and then three BLS eight cars, which are ambulances. We have a battalion chief and one MSO. Um, you know, we've got a, a pretty large variety of occupancies in the city from single family, multifamily. We got a couple of mid and high rise buildings in our downtown corridor. And then we have a, a large uh, large group of tilt up commercial buildings out in the uh, manufacturing district. Um, yeah. What else you want to know? Perfect. No, that's perfect, man. Thank you for, uh, for kind of painting that picture and give us a little bit of your history. Um, let's kind of dive into this right, right from the get go. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what happened that night? Yeah. So it was March 22nd. Um, about four o'clock in the morning, uh, the ladder just got back from a run. So we just getting back in bed and we got a fire residential toned out, which a fire residential toned out is, uh, one engine, one truck, a battalion chief and an aid car. Uh, when we're bunking up, it got upgraded to a confirmed working fire. So then we get our additional complement of, uh, Three engines. Our, our total complement is four engines, a ladder truck, a battalion chief, one aid car, one medic unit, and an MSO. So the, the original dispatch was a mattress on fire. Um, engine one, ladder one, aid one, we're all rolling to the fire at the same time. The engine rolled up first, and they gave their short report over the radio. Uh, we hop out of, of the ladder. And somehow we missed the short report, whether we were turning on our portable radios right when that was happening or, or what. Can't figure it out. Uh, so we pack up and, and make our way to the front. There's fire blowing out of the Alpha Bravo corner. Um, looks like one room fully involved. And then pretty good smoke production throughout the house. The engine one captain then told us that there's uh, a victim inside a window that's in a wheelchair on the bravo side so 
We then get assigned a search to VES that window. This is a single story residential house kind of built up on a hill. So the, the front porch is roughly eight to 10 steps up. And then the, the back is, is level with the ground. So we make our way to the Bravo window that the victim is said to be in. And the window is elevated roughly four feet off the ground. Uh, as we're assessing this window and sizing it up, there's a, a resident that's outside the Charlie side saying, hey, you, you guys can go over here. And so we work our way to the back and listen to what he has to say. He's, he explained that we can go down this hallway and first door on the right is where that victim is. So we're masked up and, and the captain agrees that that's a good plan. Uh, when we open the first door, there's a, a little bit of a hallway and a laundry room and not much smoke in there. I go and open up the second when excuse me, second door. I notice smoke bank down roughly halfway to the floor. Uh, notice a victim right behind the door. My driver's right behind me. He yells to the captain. We got one. I then get the victim's legs from, from behind the door. And the victim was oriented legs to me. He was unconscious. So I grab, just do a dirty drag. I got my arms under his knee and then the rest of his legs under my armpit and just drug, drug this guy out roughly 10 feet. Um, at that point, my driver helped grab, grab the dude's arms and we drag, drag the guy over to the grass and start ripping our, our equipment off, got my gloves off and felt for a pulse. This victim had a pulse at the time. My driver then runs and grabs our oxygen kit from the rig. Uh, at this time, there's no other rigs there to help us. So, so we're going to start patient care. When my driver gets back uh, with the oxygen kit, the medic unit had just arrived. So the medics grab the gurney, bring him over. Uh, at that time, we, we then assist, get the, the victim on the gurney and the medic, uh, tells us to, to get back to work that he's got this patient. Um, at that time we go back to our captain. Um, and then he, he tells us, let's, let's go back in. Let's go get this, uh, this victim that, that we're starting the targeted search for. Um, so then we head back in that hallway, turn right, make it to the, the room this victim's supposed to be in. Um, at that point, the engine one captain and engine one firefighter had just grabbed the victim and they, they started pulling the victim out. Their original plan was to head out the front door the way they came and I guided them out the Charlie side a little bit quicker and easier to get the victim out. Uh, we, we get the victim out and, and I help assist carry him over to the grass where, where our kits were and AED was, uh, this victim didn't have a pulse. And at the time we dropped him on the grass, we had another engine company and an aid car there ready to take over patient care. Uh, so then I help strip people's gear off of them as they're doing CPR, um, then a second medic unit had arrived shortly after, and there was probably three crews wrapped up working a code on the side yard with them. Uh, once again, 
as the latter, we were broke free from that scenario. And uh, we we're tasked with uh, a ventilation after that. Okay, so just for a little bit of context, and I know we discussed this before the show started, but how many do you ride typically on your engines and your ladders? Yeah, so we run three-person engines and ladders. Um, <clears throat> very occasionally, we'll have a, a fourth person on the truck, uh, but that's that's not very common. Um, we also run two-person on the aid car and medic unit. Okay, and then a lot going on here. Uh, you guys coming from a combo house or coming from a dual house or really it's like a four rig house. Uh, I think you were saying, but engine and, and ladder both arrive more or less right on top of each other. Is that correct? Yep. That's correct. Um, and then the engine one company officer took command um, and he was going interior with the hose line as, as ladder one was assigned search. I like that, that working command uh, that you got there. And then you arrive there. There's a, there's a victim out front. There's a victim on the Charlie side. You go in the Charlie side, find a guy in the hallway that's unconscious but has a pulse, take him out, start working him, then go back in. And the engine at this point has already stepped on the fire's throat and is now split off and starting to do their search. They locate the person in the wheelchair who was unconscious in a room, and you guys bring him out, right? Is that all correct? Am I tracking that properly? Yep, that's correct. The, the two individuals outside, one of them had – you know, some soot on his face and he was burned a little bit. And then the other one that was directing us was, had, had no, no injuries. And, and he was, uh, he was an occupant of that residence, but he was not necessarily injured. And so four adult males lived in this, this single story house. Was the person behind the, at least four, I guess, uh, was the person that was in the wheelchair, were they behind a closed door or was that door open when the engine got there? Uh, the engine said that door was open. Um, the captain explained that when he made access to that room, mm -hmm. uh, he saw the empty wheelchair and his first thought was, oh, the truck did awesome, sweet. And then he noticed the window was still intact and... And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit." So then he then he searched the room, found uh, found the victim laying on the ground, and then was able to get him out. Um, that door was open, and that victim was also unconscious and pulseless. Okay. Um, how big were the the two gentlemen that that uh, you guys drug out of that house? Yeah. So the first victim, I would say, is probably 180 pounds. Uh, pretty, pretty easy to just grab and drag out. The, mm -hmm. the second victim was probably close to 200, took a little bit more time getting them out, but the, the house had hardwood floors and it wasn't, wasn't hard to drag them out. Um, either of those victims. And was in a wheelchair, but still had both legs. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Okay. Grab. Yep. And how'd they move the second victim? You said you kind of did like a knee lock or a leg lock on the first one. How about the second victim? Kind of same thing. Yeah, it was very similar. Uh, the captain grabbed his his legs, and then the the firefighter grabbed his arms and and helped carry him out. Um, do you know how long it took from when you guys arrived on scene, just being Everett FD, arrived on scene, to when you had both victims out of the house? Yeah, so the dispatch notes said that 
from time of arrival to the first victim removed was less than three minutes, just wow. shy of that three minute mark. Uh, and that is given the, the radio transmission. Uh, my captain was in charge of that. I, I don't know when that got transmitted. Um, you know, there's a lot of radio traffic on fire, so it could have been a little bit after the initial uh, victim being removed. Um, and then the second victim was right around the seven minute mark. Okay. Getting that victim out. So in the first seven minutes from arrival on scene, we gave our arrival report. Crews got to work. We thought we were going to VES, went in the Charlie side, pulled out one victim, knocked down the fire, started ventilating, found another victim, brought that patient out, had been working the first one in the interim as well. So a lot going on very, very quickly. At this point in time in the operation, were any other units on scene at the seven-minute mark besides the initial, uh, I think you called it a, a residential fire. Is that what you called it for your first alarm? Uh, yep. The initial alarm, not the first alarm. Uh, so that is, okay, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think you said an engine, uh, ladder, the chief, the uh, the BLS unit, uh, and then was the BC going to that as well? Correct. Yep. Okay. So, so within the first four, th was who else was on scene and when did they get there? When did the next arriving unit get there, I guess? Yeah. So the next arriving unit after that was the medic unit and they arrived just about the same time we pulled that first victim out just okay. a little after. Um, and then the rest of the complement of the, the working commercial fire had started to trickle in a few minutes after um, there was an engine and an aid car there ready to accept walking up to the building as we pulled that second victim out. So that's six, seven minutes into the fire. Um, there may have been a couple other rigs arrive between that, that I didn't see. Um, and then after that, we started to get rigs showing up like crazy. A lot of work on the front end, like it was pretty typical on a lot of fires, but you know, four people there, three that you ended up transporting, correct? You ended up transporting correct. Uh, yep. three, three victims. Um, the gentleman that was outside originally um, was transported by a third medic unit uh, a few minutes into the fire. And when did you first, when were you first clued in that there was a victim inside that needed rescue? Uh, our first inkling that there was a patient was when the, the engine one captain told us that there, there was a victim inside this window. Um, Did you hear originally that, transmission? that there, there was no, no indication of victims inside via dispatch or CAD. Um, and, and he didn't say anything on the radio about it. Uh, he showed up, gave a short report, got outside of the vehicle. And I believe somebody told him that there was a victim in a wheelchair on the Bravo side. At that point, then he turned to us and, and explained that information okay. to us. And then, okay. then we went to work. Okay. Let's, let's just kind of play a hypothetical here. Let's say you guys found out, uh, at, on dispatch, would anything have changed in your operation if you had found out before you, if you'd known before you got there that there was a person trapped in there? Would anything have changed or would everything have, have likely played out the exact same way that it did? 
Yeah, I'm not sure that much would have changed. Um, we're pretty aggressive at getting in there and searching and, and putting the fire out. Um, I love that answer. I think that's the goal, right? The goal should be that that should be our baseline, that we're expecting somebody inside it, right? We're expecting absolutely fire, we're expecting somebody inside. Um, and then, okay, so now we're going to go back to the operation. You got that second victim out or led the engine crew with that victim outside. They started working him. Another medic unit got there. They're doing CPR on this victim. And then you said you were tasked with ventilation. What did that look like at this point in time? Yeah, so at that point in time, there was a little bit of fire coming through the roof. Um, the latter one captain was assigned Charlie Division, um, and he tasked his crew, myself and my driver, with vertical ventilation. Uh, so then we, we got a, a ladder to the roof and, and cut a little hole. Um, and then once we went to punch the ceiling, it we figured out it was tongue and groove. Um, so we weren't able to, to make a big hole in there. Okay. Um, what's one lesson that you learned from this fire that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton that I learned from this, but yeah, one of go, give us more one than of one. The things, more than one. Yeah. So one of the things I, I learned that, um, you know, occupy as much space as you can. If if we had gone in that front door following the hose line, we may not have found that, that first victim right away. Um, you know, making access into the Charlie side, we're occupying as much space as we can with who we have. Um, and then we found that guy rather quickly and gave him the best chance that, that he had. Um, another, another thing that that I learned is is just have a, a tactic for elevated first floor windows, um, whether it's a short ladder or whatever your your plan is. They can be a pain to to get in and get out of. Um, this fire, we we're pretty lucky with having having a a resident guide us right into where where the victim was. Um, but that's not always that's not always the case. Yeah, really good point on both of those. Um, something that's kind of stuck in my head uh, after a fire is just making sure if somebody's there, I get as much info from them as possible. Uh, so utilizing the people on scene. So strong move, and and either on your part or on on the, the the individual's part to say, yeah, it's ten feet in. It's your first door on the right, or whatever. Again, ended up telling you. Um, has this fire changed your mindset towards the job, uh, how you train or how you search or, or anything else? Uh, you know, this, it just kind of, uh, reinforces why we're here. We're here for the people and, and trying to help people. Uh, it does make me, uh, feel like everybody should be searching a little bit more, a little bit faster and a little bit better. Um, you know, this, there was reports of one person inside the building and not two. So we, yeah. we were kind of surprised with that. Um, but I think it just really drives home that that's the reason we're here. We're here to help people. That was beautiful, man. Um, 
kind of before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? Um, any more color you want to add to this this picture before we kind of sign off? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I would just say that things can change really quickly. Um, you know, I, I originally show up thinking that it's just a bread and butter fire with one room fully involved. And, uh, you know, a minute later, I'm, I'm pulling a victim out. So just, just be ready, be prepared and, um, be good at your job. Well said, man. I think on that note, we'll, we'll sign off Dustin. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. We really appreciate your time and authenticity for everyone listening. If you or anyone else you know makes a grab, please go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out a quick survey so we can all get smarter, better, and faster. And if you make a grab and want to share your experience with our listeners, please reach out to either Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or myself, Nick Ladine, and we'll try to record an episode. Lastly, thank you to everyone listening to this. Take care, everybody. Oh, <laughs>